For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Duncan had it. They turned it over. alley back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! KD! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Hello and welcome to the Wolf Among Wolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke. As always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Hedke NBA. You can find the show on Twitter at AWAW underscore podcast. As always, this podcast is a part of the Wolf Among Wolves podcast network on awolfamongwolves.com. So today's episode, I'm riding solo again. And I think though two things I really want to talk about. One is just how good this offense is going to look. Um, over this course of time without Malik Beasley and without D'Angelo Russell. Um, And then the other thing I want to really talk about is possible Timberwolves players who could be traded before this year's trade deadline and kind of look into reasons why or why not you would trade that player. So I have a list of guys that I think possibly could be on the market for the right price. Um, But first, I do want to talk about the Timberwolves offense. So, of course... Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell are not playing for the Timberwolves right now for each of their own respective reasons. Malik Beasley is currently serving a 12-game suspension. As of time recording this, I'm recording this early afternoon before the Timberwolves take on the Hornets in the final game before the uh, All-Star break. And Malik Beasley currently has missed two games uh, with his suspension, so he has 10 more left, including tonight. Um, after the All-Star break, he'll have to serve nine more games, and then he is ready to be back on the court. Luckily, Beasley is able to uh, practice with the team, so as the Timberwolves are installing new offensive things and new philosophies, new defensive things, Malik Beasley is able to be there to work with the team and to not fall too far behind in the curriculum of the Chris Finch's new offensive regime. Um, But Malik Beasley is out until March 27th, um, he can come back on March 27th and play in a back-to-back, the second game of a back-to-back with the Houston Rockets. Those are home games, um, so he can play in that second game there on March 27th, so that's you know, about three weeks away. And then D'Angelo Russell is the, only, is the other person that's been missing, the second-slash-third-best player on this team. 
Uh, he got surgery on his knee on February 17th. He was given a four to six week timeline to recover from that knee surgery. But he did have that same surgery when he was in Brooklyn. And it did take him quite a while to get back on the floor. And to get back to playing his normal 30-something minutes per game. Um, we don't know what his recovery is going to be like this time around. We do know that the surgery was successful. Um, according to D'Angelo Russell on his on his Twitter after it happened. But the surgery did take place on February 17th. And four weeks from February 17th would put him at March 17th, which would have him miss tonight's game against the Hornets. And then he would miss four more games after that. He would miss, right after the break, he would miss uh, the Pelicans game, the Trailblazers game, or two Trailblazers games, and then a Lakers game, and theoretically be back in the floor March 18th uh, for a doubleheader against the Sun, not doubleheader, a back-to-back against the Suns in Phoenix. That'd be the four week, which would be considered like the earliest time that that uh, D'Angelo Russell could be back. But I wouldn't necessarily count on D'Angelo Russell being on the floor four weeks after his surgery. Uh, the six week timeline for me, I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything inside of it, but I just I want to just like be very weary about it and like think you know it might be six or more weeks rather than four to six weeks. But six weeks from the time of his surgery would put him at March 31st, so the end of March, beginning of April, which would cause him to miss uh, 12 to 13 more games. Um, so including tonight's game, it would be 12 or 11 or 12 more games. That would include, um, in, on top of the Pelicans games, both Blazers game and the Lakers game, it would include the back-to-back against the Suns, um, a game against the Thunder, a game against the Mavericks, and two games against the Rockets where Malik Beasley will be returning in that second game against the Rockets, and then a game against the Nets as well, and then maybe he'd be there for the New York Knicks game on the 31st. That would be the six-week time period. And then you'd have everybody healthy as long as no injuries happen along the line. Theoretically, you'd be healthy at the end of March. It could take D'Lo longer than that. It could take him less than six weeks. We don't know exactly. He was given four to six week timeline. Hopefully it's as short as possible and he can play when he's healthy so we can really see what this team this team has. But that's kind of what we're looking like for the possible returns of D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley. We know when Beasley will be back. We do not know when D'Angelo Russell will be back. It will be interesting to monitor that. And if any more news comes out as we keep going, or if it's going to be a typical Timberwolves situation where... We have no idea, and they don't really give us any information on it until the until he's like shows up on the injury report randomly one day, and we just see D'Angelo Russell questionable six weeks from now or something. Like that, that'd be a very Timberwolves way to go about it. But maybe they give us a little bit more clarity. Maybe Chris Finch talks some sense into into Gerson Rosas, but I I think Gerson has the most pull in this organization, and if he doesn't want to let people know he's not going to let people know I don't know what his reasoning is behind that uh, but we'll just see how it all plays out but we can expect uh, D'Angelo Russell for at least two more weeks it's now been two weeks since his surgery and now two more weeks would be the four week the four week point obviously the Timberwolves have a full week off there for for the all-star break starting tomorrow but I just want to talk about this Timberwolves team right now because I and Kyle Tige, when the news broke about D'Angelo Russell being out, um, we talked about 
We know who's going to be here. What can this Timberwolves team be moving forward? And we kind of talked about that in the lens of Malik Beasley being there. Um, And nobody really expected Beasley to maybe get suspended for 12 games, but the, um, they will be, you know, we did, we, we knew something was probably coming, but we didn't know how long it would be. Uh, now we do, it's 10 more games, including tonight's game. So now I want to focus on this team for the next 10 games. What is it like Sands Beasley, Sands Danzel Russell? We have a Carl Anthony Towns led team. And that's what it needs to be, in my opinion. I think the offense really needs to run through Carl Anthony Towns, and we need to not only put Cat in the best situation possible, but let Cat put others in good situations and let him find them in those advantageous spots on the floor. Because if you want to win games, which I'm not 100% sure that the Wolves really do right now, but if you do want to win games, I think Carl Anthony Towns is going to have to dominate games. I think he's going to have to, you know, pull in Nikola Jokic and average like 27 points, 11 or 12 boards, like 6, 7, 8 assists a game to really have the Timberwolves have a chance to win some of these games. Um, and how do you do that? How do you put Cat in a position to, you know, score almost 30 a game while still rebounding and still passing the ball really well? Um, I think the first first and foremost, the most important thing that we can do is, is find Carl Anthony Towns and get him touches on the floor. A ton of touches. The most touches he's ever gotten his entire career. But not only that, his touches don't need to come in certain just like random situations. They need to be very calculated and they need to be very thought out um, ways to get him the ball. Um, that's going to be at the elbow, it's going to be at the top of the key, and it's going to be in the post um, rather than him just getting the ball as the ball is swinging from side to side of the court, resetting offense and things like that. Um, since Chris Finch took over, it's been four games that we've seen Finch coach now. Um, We've seen Towns get the ball a lot more in those type of situations. The numbers haven't changed much. As Ryan asked at Street History on Twitter, tweeted, he said, New Timberwolves coach Finch said Carl Anthony Towns would be the center of the offense. In four games, he's had 66 touches per game. In the 11 games with Saunders, he's got 67 touches. Um, and he was kind of you know discouraged by those stats. And I understand it, but I, I think when you really look into it, it's a lot more than that. And I, and I had put out a tweet about that as well um replying to ryan saying that and i'm trying to find it here quick i basically said it's been four games with one practice things don't just change overnight and that's true um and i'll touch on that a little bit more but i said that i did think we saw towns as a huge focal point both in that bucks game and the bulls games um and i said also where slash how slash when he's getting the ball is just as important as how often he's getting it and that's kind of my view on that and I know a lot of people, really smart basketball people, would, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, would really tend to agree with me. Speaking of a smart basketball person, Jake Painting, writer over at Canis Hoopus, one of the best in the business, he tweeted out, again, replying to Ryan, saying the difference is where he's getting the ball, less ball reversal touches, and more in positions that maximize cat. Um, Towns got the ball at the elbow two and a half times per game under Saunders. Under Finch, that's doubled plus some to 5.3 times per game. Um, Post-ups, he got the ball 8.5 with Ryan. He's at 9.3 right now with Finch. So not much change, but a little bit. And then three-point attempts before uh, Ryan, or with Ryan, it was 4.7. And now with Finch, it's 5.8. But I still think that should be higher. I think Cat should be at that 8 
that eight attempts like he was last season. Um, but it's but it's working there. Like I said, it's been four games. They've only practiced like a few times, like two or three times maybe now. Um, so they can't implement a full new offense that quickly. But you see the growth of where Towns is getting the ball in this offensive system, and you've seen his his assist numbers, you know, really be impacted by that. He had 11 assists in one game, the first game under Finch, and I don't think that was a coincidence. I really think that Chris Finch is opening up the offense through Carl Anthony Towns by getting him the ball in advantageous spots on the floor, not just getting him the ball, but putting him in positions and putting his teammates in positions that's really going to maximize the offense. Um, it's going to be tougher now when Carl Anthony Towns is missing the second and third best shooters on the team behind him um, because we all know Cat, Russell Beasley, they're like 39, 40% three-point shooters on high volume. Um, and the Timberwolves don't really have anybody like that outside of those guys. They have just a bunch of, um, you know, poor or okay shooters or good shooters on small volume. They have some um, players that can knock down threes. They have Nas Reed. Nas Reed's a good shooter. But he's not a 8 attempts, 40% from, from 3 shooter. Jalen Noel's a fine shooter, but he's not Malik Beasley. Jordan McLaughlin and Ricky Rubio surely aren't D'Angelo Russell when it comes to 3-point shooting. Uh, so that's, I think, where the where the problem comes in. The Timberwolves right now, best shooters... Percentage-wise, throw out Jared Vanderbilt going one for two. Malik Beasley shooting 40%. Uh, D'Angelo Russell shooting 39.9%. Cat shooting 39%. Then you go down to McLaughlin. He's shooting 30%, 37% on two attempts per game. Noel shooting 36% on three attempts. Jaden McDaniel shooting 35% on less than three attempts. Nas Reed, 34%. He hasn't looked good from deep lately at all, uh, but he is shooting... 34% from three on 2.8 attempts per game. Layman's not shooting well, 32%. Anthony Edwards shooting 31% um, on six attempts. So, like, the three-point shooting is not there. It's going to be Cat, Noel, McDaniels, Nas Reed, maybe, that are really spacing the floor, and you're missing your two other best floor spacers, which is really going to hurt the offense. But I think the Timberwolves still have a chance to improve their offense and at least install systems that will work well for when Beasley and when D'Angelo Russell come back. Well, we've seen Josh Akogi and Jared Culver get some of Malik Beasley's minutes. The person we've seen actually use like Malik Beasley on the court is Jalen Noel. Jalen Noel is the best shooter of those three, obviously. And it comes as no surprise that he's the one getting actions ran for instead of a Kogi and Culver because he is a much better shooter than those guys. But still, the Wolves need more. And that's why I think the Wolves are going to be pretty bad over this stretch of games without Russell and without Beasley. I tweeted out the other day talking about the whole Timberwolves plan that maybe right now you're okay with losing games. You really set yourself up to still have one of the worst records in the league over this stretch until those guys come back. And it just helps your lottery odds. Hopefully you get those guys back so you can play about 20-something games together with a fully healthy team. And if you can play good over those 20 games, it's kind of like a Phoenix Suns situation in the bubble where you feel like you're building something at the end of the season. And to start next season, you're looking a lot better. You're confident in what you're doing. And you actually see the vision panning out a little bit. 
Uh, but we have to get to that point. We need to get to the point where the roster is healthy. We need to get to the point where, if they are healthy, that they actually look good together. Otherwise, something something would have to change. Um, I think what we can do right now, as Dane Moore tweeted out yesterday, he said that Chris, Chris Finch said he's confident that the Timberwolves will be ready to start showcasing a new identity after the All-Star break. New rotations, new offensive system, new defensive system. And he said that they started installing those things at practice on Tuesday. What those things will be, I don't know for sure. I'm assuming it's going to be a lot of Carl Anthony Towns at the top of the key and at the elbows. Just opening up the the lanes for Ant to drive. Opening up lanes for Josh Akogi and Jalen Noel to cut. Allowing Vanderbilt to work as the in the dunker spot a little bit. And then finding open threes for Jaden McDaniels in the corner, Jalen Noel coming off screens and running actions. I'm sure we'll see a bunch of actions run. I, th- I think this is something people might be a little bit surprised by. I think we're going to see a lot of actions run for Jalen Noel. Like a lot. And the reason I think that is I think Finch is okay with Jalen Noel running those because he's going be to be okay in those. But I think he wants to see those actions be ran. And see how they work out with Noel, just so he can visualize what it will look like when Malik Beasley is on the floor. Because Malik Beasley is obviously a superior player to Jalen Noel. Not only is he a better shooter, he's in better shape, and he just comes off screens and stuff really, really well. So I think that that's something we're going to see is Jalen Noel might be a, vo- a focal point in this offense going forward. And I don't think that's necessarily because he's going to be in the starting lineup once everybody's healthy, I think it's just to get a more extended look at an offensive system that includes, you know, a role for Malik Beasley that's really runs off of Cat rather than just Beasley being the the resort out to hitting him in the corner. I think it's going to be focal points to get Beasley the ball, which we saw Ryan Saunders start doing more and more as the season went on. But it's going to be really interesting to see what that all looks like um, when it happens. But I. I don't don't be surprised if Jalen Noel is a focal point in this offense until Malik Beasley comes back. Uh, the other focal point in this offense, besides Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Jalen Noel, which sounds so funny to say, is Anthony Edwards. Edwards, I'll be interested to see if this new offensive system and this new these new offensive philosophies include something that gets Anthony Edwards to the rim. And works out his his desire to take contested threes or to take step back or sidestep or just considered bad shots, bad threes. And just the threes that he is taking is catch and shoot threes rather than threes where he's, you know, like I said, they're, they're in non-advantageous spots. I don't know for sure, but I do believe that Anthony Edwards shooting from... Um, three is a lot better when he's on the catch and shoot than he is not in the catch and shoot. Well, I don't know that for sure. I don't have the stats pulled up right now. I should have probably pulled those up, but I do think that he really will be a fine shooter out of catch and shoot right now this season. And I think he's going to just get better. I think he's going to be a fine shooter in the league, but right now I think catch and shoot is what you want to get him his shots in. So I'll be interested to see if Finch gets him downhill more going to the rim whether that's in pick and rolls or in isolation situations. I just want to see what that looks like because Ant's pretty unstoppable getting to the basket and as he works on finishing better, 
dunking <laughs> literally like everything it seems um i think he's only going to get better going downhill so i want to see how finch decides to use him there and then the other person i think that's gonna kind of be, have to be a focal point in if the timberwolves want to win is going to be nas reed i think nas reed is the long-term plan to be the backup center for now at least and um nas is able to score the ball um but i want to see if if Finch decides to try and use Nas Reed at like Cat at all, or if he gets a look at Nas next to Cat for extended runs, or what that looks like. I don't know what is gonna what this new offensive system is gonna be at all. I'm just I'm kind of just projecting what I think will happen. Um obviously I'm not in Chris Finch's head at all, but it would just be interesting to It'll, it will be interesting to monitor what it looks like for Nas Reed going forward because Nas Reed is really good in pick and rolls. While Finch hasn't had an offense that's really reliant on pick and rolls, I think a J-Mac and, and Nas Reed pick and roll would be very, very advantageous for the Timberwolves with that second unit to get some quick points to get the offense going. But we'll have to, we'll have to monitor that and see, and see what comes of it. The other player I wanted to talk about offensively is Jaden McDaniels I think this time right now this is kind of the time for McDaniels to show what he's got on offense show more than just a catch and shoot and we've seen a few plays now where he's got a little bit of wiggle and he maybe you know tries to take somebody off the dribble a little bit like that I'd love to see that a few times a game and just see what he's got you know he was a highly like recruited player out of high school at one time he was ranked number one in the entire country he fell to 28 to the Timberwolves in the draft. So he's got to have something in there. We've seen it at Washington a little bit. We saw it in high school. I want to see that come out a little bit while the Timberwolves don't have much else on offense outside of like Cat and Anthony Edwards. Like, give me some Jaden McDaniels. Let him run rampant a little bit. I just want to see it. His minutes haven't looked that. He hasn't got that many minutes. And that and, and Twitter was an outburst, and I was a part of that. Um, where Jaden McDaniels didn't play at all in the first quarter of the last game. And yeah, fans didn't like it. I didn't like it. But we did see, or we did hear Chris Finch talk about the rotations after that game, saying he's not married to anything. He's really just trying to get a look at everybody, so don't read too much into it. But as a blog boy myself, how do you not read into it? Like, that's what I do. I read into stuff like that. Um, But we'll see what I don't, I'm not going to read into it any more than I already have. We'll see what it looks like. I don't think that he's going to just take Jaden McDaniels out of the rotation. You know, I I think he was truly just getting a look at things. But I want to see if McDaniels has something else on offense. He only averages five-point games. He's basically just a spot-up shooter. Does he have anything else? I know it's in there somewhere, but can he bring that out right now as a rookie in the league? It'll be interesting to see that. Okay, let's move on to the second part of today's episode, and that is the Timberwolves players who I think could possibly be on the trade market. And I'm going to start with one player that has been called to be traded a lot, um, or fans are calling for him to be traded a lot, and that is Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio was obviously traded um, to the Minnesota Timberwolves from, I guess, the Oklahoma City Thunder this offseason. And he currently has a $17 million contract this year, 17.8 for next season. Rubio hasn't, the reunion hasn't been what people hoped and thought it would be, including myself. I was really optimistic about it, but it just hasn't been that. And we've seen him improve 
you know, for the beginning of the season was like really bad and he's been looking better since then, but it's still not great. It's still not where I thought it would be. Um, and I think that he's a player that possibly could get traded. We did see him, you know, or we did hear him in a, in a post game press conference say, you know, that it doesn't feel like we're building something here. Um, and he wasn't saying he wants to be traded. He said that he does want to, you know, be a part of turning this around, but I don't think he would object to being traded to a better situation. And there's been a couple a couple teams that are interested in Ricky Rubio as a player. The first team I want to talk about with that is um, Toronto. The Raptors, just today as I'm recording this, um, are linked to Ricky Rubio as a possible trade interest. Um, it says that uh, Ricky Rubio... Uh, the Raptors are interested in Ricky Rubio's potential Kyle Lowry replacement. Now, Kyle Lowry obviously is still on the Raptors, but there's been rumors that Kyle Lowry could be traded at this trade deadline, which would open up the door for them trading for another point guard. Now, this isn't a situation where Kyle Lowry would be coming to Minnesota, but it is a situation where Ricky Rubio maybe could be going out of it. I'm not going to speculate on the rumors of it, but I do think that there's a chance that Ricky Rubio could be traded. He's also garnering interest from teams like the Clippers and and obviously the Raptors. I'm sure there's some other teams around the league that that wouldn't mind to have a point guard like him. They saw what he did in Phoenix. I know Phoenix Suns fans love him. They they were asking if he could just get on the plane after the the Wolves Suns game the other night. So Ricky Rubio is a player that I think we should you know consider could possibly be traded at this trade deadline. Is he? I don't know. I would say if he's not traded by the trade deadline, he he could very, very, very likely be traded this offseason as an expiring contract. I just don't know what type of market he has on the trade market right now. What's his value? Who could he go get who could he go get for you? Um he's probably not gonna get you an Aaron Gordon. Um I don't know who he would get you. I really have no idea. But Ricky Rubio is a player that I think could be dealt. I don't I'm not saying he will. I'm not saying necessarily that he should you know, like everybody has their own opinion about that. I'm just saying, like, that's a player. Don't be surprised if we woke up on trade deadline day and there was rumors that he was getting sent elsewhere. Um, the other person I wanted to talk about outside of Rubio. Well, actually, let me touch on Rubio a little bit. I think the reason behind trading Rubio makes some sense. Um, if you can get expiring deals for him, I think that makes some sense. That's something I posted on on Twitter before. Um just frees up some cap space to use the mid-level exception and the biannual exception without going into the luxury tax um, this offseason, if you think you can get a good player on the mid-level. The other reason is I'm not sure how well he fits is being a poor shooter on this team. I don't know how well he fits in this offense. We'll have to see what it, what the Timberwolves offense really is under Chris Finch. Um, he said that he's a perfect fit for it, so maybe, you know, maybe I just have no idea what I'm talking about. Um... But yeah, Rubio, I personally don't know if he's a great fit. And he's getting older. And I, I think that's fine, but he's getting slower on the court, it seems. I'm okay with having veterans on the team, but you know, I think they're very valuable in certain situations. Not in certain situations, in like every situation, but um, he does look a step slower on the court as well. Uh, second player I want to talk about, Jarrett Culver. We can see a world where Jarrett Culver possibly could be traded. He does make $6.1 million. He has... This year and two more, let's see, he has this year under contract, and he has team options the next two seasons worth $6 million and then $8 million. Right now he's making $6.1 million. 
and then he would get his qualifying offer after that. So, um, Jared Culver's a player I could see if another team really feels like they could utilize Jared Culver and get the most out of him, and they were good with him being like a filler and a trade for like, I don't know who, but necessarily like a, a Larry Nance Jr. If, if the Cavs are like, okay, we'll take on Culver, young player, could use some help on the wing. Um, we'll give you Larry Nance. We'll also take back like an Ed Davis who will be on an expiring $5 million contract. Is that something that interests them? Who knows? Um, possibly, definitely, possibly could be. I don't know what the value really is like. I know Larry Nance Jr. is very beloved by Cavs fans and he's been playing really well for them. So I don't know if that really moves the needle for them at all. These are just hypotheticals. I'm not trying to put out trade proposals. I just want to talk about the players that I think possibly could be traded at the trade deadline because the trade deadline is approaching towards the end of March. I don't know when the trade deadline for sure is. I'll go ahead and look that up right now, but um, it is towards the end of end of March. So trade deadline 2021 is March 25th. So we are currently just over three weeks away from the trade deadline. And I'd say Culver's a name that we could watch out for. I don't have any intel. Like, guys, I'm not an insider. Don't think I have any intel or anything. This just me reading tea leaves around things and seeing people playing the court. I could see Culver being moved, possibly. Another note on Ricky Rubio going back quick. Sorry about this. Jordan McLaughlin, the NBA and the NBA uh, Players Association are discussing that, and they're pretty much set. I don't know if it's official, but basically there's not going to be a limit for games for two-way players. So, you know, Jordan McLaughlin, if that is for sure happening, Jordan McLaughlin could play in every game for the rest of the year. And I think that's a way that you could justify trading Ricky Rubio as well um, at the trade deadline, especially if D'Angelo Russell is looking like he's ready to come back to the floor. Um, but enough on Rubio. We're done with Culver. Let's move Josh Okogi. Okogi's another player who's just very limited on offense. His defense is important to to a team, but currently his he hasn't been used offensively in a way that benefits the team, and it makes it makes it hard for him to even play on the team, even with really good defense. So maybe some team can work it out where they have enough offensive talent around him to justify playing him, even if he has to basically be like a power forward or a center on offense. Um, the Timberwolves don't have the offensive talent right now to do that. And if you need like a small chip, somebody's like, we need a defensive stopper, like the Timberwolves could very well go out and throw Josh Okogi into a trade. I love Josh Okogi. He's a great person um, and he's a good, good defender. But, you know, don't rule that out either. Uh, the next player I want to talk about is Juancho Hernan Gomez. Juancho Hernan Gomez can now be traded. As of today, March 3rd, he can be traded along Malik Beasley can as well. Um, but Juancho Hernan Gomez is like out of the rotation. He's like the only person that's below him in the rotation right now is Ed Davis. Um, and it doesn't look like Juancho's really getting much more of a shot, to be honest. Um, it's very clear Jared Vanderbilt. Jake Lehman and Jada McDaniels are all ahead of Wancho in the rotation. Now Wancho was just paid this offseason, but he was played he was paid to be a backup. His contract, he signed a three year, twenty-one million dollar contract. Um this season he's making about five point seven million, I think. He has some incentives in there as well. But the third year is a team option. So the Timberwolves can, you know, basically after this season, if he's not playing well, 
he's an expiring contract for whoever he's on. If he's on Timberwolves, if he's on another team, after this year, you can have him be an expiring contract by simply not picking up his team option. Um, and that's a little bit valuable. You know, just a nice filler piece of about $6 million in a trade that you're trying to make. So I could see him being traded, one, because it just seems like he's not in the rotation and there's just options better than him. Two, because I think he's a nice filler piece if you need to make up a little bit of money to go get you Larry Nance or to go get you Aaron Gordon or whoever whoever have you. Um, so that's why I could see Wancho being a possible trade candidate as well. Next player, Ed Davis. He's an expiring $5 million contract. He is not in the rotation. It's very clear he's, he's the fourth center on this team. The center rotation is Cat, Nas Reed. If one of those guys needs a backup, it's Jared Vanderbilt. Then then Ed Davis. Ed Davis is the fourth center on this team. Um, seems like a great guy, a great teammate, but just he's not going to play for us, and there might be a team that needs, needs Ed Davis or wants some... Five, you know, needs to take back five million more dollars to get a trade to go through, or whatever, whatever have you. He could be a filler piece. He's an expiring deal, so teams aren't going to commit to Ed Davis for long term. Um, so he's definitely a player that could be used in a trade. If we're going to try and make up five million dollars, Ed Davis is the guy to do that with. And the last person I wanted to touch on, who I think is a possible trade candidate, is Jake Lehman. Jake Lehman makes three point seven million dollars. Um, this season and 3.9 almost 4 million next season then he's expiring after that um so not a bad contract jake layman it's it's it'll be confusing it'll be interesting to watch as we go forward is he in the rotation as the timberwolves get fully healthy does he get minutes at the three slash four what's his role he he does seem to as gerson rosa said a year and a half ago make the offense go a little bit but he doesn't seem to be a huge game changer, but he does push the pace sometimes. He's a really good cutter, which I think will be really valuable when we're talking about Carl Anthony Towns playing at the elbow and playing at the top of the key. You need cutters, and Jake Lehman's a darn good cutter. He can shoot the ball a little bit. He's not a non-shooter like a Kogi and Culver. He can shoot the ball a little bit, um, and he's a solid team defender, which I think you can you can rely on a little bit. But at the end of the day, I don't know what his role is. If you need to make up $4 million and a team wants, you know, a guy that can cut a little bit, play a little bit of defense, you know, Jake Lehman would be that guy. Uh, but we just don't know entirely what what teams will be looking for and who the Timberwolves will be looking to trade it. If they are looking to trade for someone, I'm sure Gerson Rosas will be on the phones and Jake Lehman, I'm sure, is a name that will be included. Outside of those six guys, the guys that I didn't name as trade candidates, I'll go down the list, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, uh, Jaden McDaniels, Jared Vanderbilt, Nas Reed, Jalen Noel, and then Jordan McLaughlin's on a two-way. I don't think Jalen Noel's going anywhere because he's on a team-friendly deal. Maybe a sweeten the pot or something like that, possibly, but I don't know if he really is. Nas Reed's not going anywhere on that contract. He is too good um, to be making $1.5 million. Literally, he's making one point five this year. 1.8 next year and 1.9 the year after that. So he's not making $2 million yet. Over the next three seasons, less than $2 million each season. And they're non-guaranteed contracts each year. So if for some reason he's not good, the Timberwolves can non-guarantee them and he's gone. But it's one of the best value deals in the league, in my opinion. Nas Reed scoring 12 points, 5 rebounds, 1.3 assists per game. 
in his career, this season's even better. Um, so Nas Reed certainly is not going anywhere. The only re- the only way I could see Nas Reed getting thrown in a trade at all, at all, is if somehow the Timberwolves are getting a true star player in return, and they need Nas Reed in that deal. Um, but I don't see that happening, so I think Nas Reed's pretty safe. Jared Vanderbilt also, he provides good stuff. He's on the last year of his contract. I think the Timberwolves are just going to let him be here. He's clearly uh, the first or second best power forward option on the team. He's on a cheap deal. Timberwolves will be able to re-sign him as a restricted free agent this offseason. He's safe. J.D. McDaniel seems like a a building block for the future. He's not going anywhere. Um, He's also on a good deal because he was drafted towards the bottom of the first round. He makes about $2 million this year, $2 million next year, team option of... 2 million, 2.2 million in 2022, and then about 4 million in 2023 with a qualifying offer in 2024. He's on team control. He's going to be a good player, good defender, should be a good offensive player. He's not going anywhere. Uh, Anthony Edwards, only way he's traded is for a star player. I don't see a star player that the Timberwolves could feasibly go get right now. The only star player that possibly, possibly could be asking out is like Bradley Beal. Timberwolves can't give the best offer for that, in my opinion. Um, Otherwise, you're looking at like a Victor Oladipo who is on the last year of his contract. Wolves aren't giving up Anthony Edwards for that. Beasley, same situation. He's not going anywhere. He's on a team-friendly deal. Um, in my opinion, a very good deal for him. About $15 million over the next four years. He's not going anywhere unless it's a star. D'Lo, not right now. He's not getting traded yet. I could see him possibly getting traded somewhere down the line, but right now I don't think D'Angelo Russell's going anywhere unless the Timberwolves can get a really, really good deal. And then Cat's not going anywhere until he requests a trade. He's 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 never getting traded from Timberwolves unless he demands it, in my opinion. Or he just somehow becomes really bad, which I don't see happening. Um, so that's my take on pretty much the trade possibility of every player on the Timberwolves roster. But I really wanted to highlight those six players. Uh, but like I talked about earlier, it'll be interesting to see what the Timberwolves plan is with this offense going forward. It'll be interesting to see the trade rumors start swirling here over the next three weeks. But right now, the Timberwolves have a game against the uh, Charlotte Hornets tonight. That is at 7 p.m. Uh, LaMelo Ball versus Anthony Edwards, round two. It'll be interesting to see to see how that goes. That is in Minnesota this time. I'm excited to watch that, see uh, what Chris Finch is going to be installing for this game. He said he was installing. We'll see what that looks like. After that, Timberwolves do not play again until Thursday, March 11th against the New Orleans Pelicans after the All-Star break. So it will be interesting to see um, if they can come out of the All-Star break with a little bit of rejuvenation. Uh, Carl, or excuse me, Kyle Tige was supposed to join me last week to discuss a redraft, but things happen with the coaching change and everything like that. Kyle and I are probably going to do that redraft sometime over the All-Star break, so make sure to stay tuned for that. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of the episodes coming up. If you guys could also give us a rating on whatever podcast platform you use. If you use Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of those things, go ahead, leave a rating. I would really, really appreciate that, and it would definitely help the podcast grow, which is the ultimate goal. And having fun is the ultimate goal, and I have fun doing this, so thank you guys for listening that way. But like I was saying, it'll be interesting to see... um, what Kyle's redraft looks like compared to mine, because I had a full mock draft before, and it looks pretty bad compared to some things. But we'll have to get that out sometime over All-Star break. 
and hopefully the Timberwolves start getting healthy within a couple weeks after that, and we can really start seeing what we have with this team. But anyways, thank you guys for listening. I am Brendan Hedke. You've been listening to the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast on the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast network. I appreciate you guys for listening, and I will catch you guys in the next episode. Go Wolves, and I am out. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.